You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the book of Isaiah. This is a large book. It's a prophetic book written some 2,600 years ago by the prophet Isaiah, but relevant today. And today's message is entitled Oaks of Righteousness, the series we've entitled Living in the Shadow of Our Great King. And this morning we talk about Oaks of Righteousness. This is in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. And if you would show the slide of the two oak trees... This slide represents really twin themes of Isaiah, and not just Isaiah, but of us today as God's people. Here are the twin themes. God's people, who because of their rebellion, because they've lived for their own glory, not God's glory, because they've lived to make themselves great, and not God great, or at least display his greatness, because they've chosen to trust in themselves for security and provision and all that stuff, rather than trusting in God, find themselves in exile or the picture this morning, find themselves like the oak tree on the right, burned out with leaves that are withered. No life. But God, in his mercy, because he's gracious, because he's good, because he's faithful to his own word that he will bless his people through a savior makes them into oaks of righteousness, which is the oak tree on the left. Oaks that are full of life. And really today's message is is a cornerstone message of the book of Isaiah, that though we deserve and really are these oak trees on the right, dead, burned out, exhausted by trying to make ourselves great, trying to get ourselves glory, trying to sustain ourselves, and basically not paying attention to God at all. God comes in. God comes in, and he makes us oaks of righteousness. He restores us into these beautiful oak trees that are green and luscious and full of life. So so I want you to keep this picture of, of an oak tree that is burned out, Actually, the book of Isaiah began with this oak tree. The next slide, Isaiah 130. If you remember way back months ago when we began this series, I preached on this. God says to his people, you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. So there's that picture of us. And really, that can be any of us, right? at any one given point in time, in any one given area of our life, because we've refused to trust God and submit ourselves to God, we can find ourselves like a burned-out oak tree with leaves that are withered, mired in the sin and the shame, frustrated, angry, depressed. Fill in the blank, whatever it is that you experience, perhaps just in one area of your life. That can be us. That can describe us when we reject God, when we go our own way, when we live for our own glory, when I'm going to make myself great again. (laughs) And I forget about, hey, I'm supposed to reflect God's greatness, not my greatness. 
It can happen in a religious context. It can happen in a secular context. It can happen in whatever culture, whatever world. You're just, you're tired. You're withered. You know it. You're burned out. You try to paint the tree green every morning when you put your makeup on. And when the rain comes, it washes all the green off. And you're just a dry, gray, tired, broken, withered tree. That's it. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Praise God. He says to us, I will come in and I will restore you. I will replant you as that oak of righteousness. Do you want to be an oak of righteousness? There's no shade on the tree on the right, right? You're not standing underneath that tree when the sun's shining on you. You're standing underneath the other one. There's no fruit. There's no, there's, there's, no, there's no life. And Jesus comes in and he says, I promise to give you life. When you humble yourself, when you repent, when you believe, God speaks into our shame. He speaks into our sorrow. He brings forth the vision of this oak tree on the left, this, this, this oaks of righteousness. And our text this morning Our text this morning, church, focuses on that because our text this morning explains how in the world God transforms us from that tree on the right to the tree on the left. And let me give you a hint. If you've been tracking, right, previously on 24, man, I miss 24. Do you miss 24? I miss 24. Yes, you do, don't you? Yeah, I miss it, man. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. That's normal when I preach. Most people don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) May God give you the understanding. But listen, previously in Isaiah, now listen to me carefully. Got to wake up on this one because this is God's word. Way back in Isaiah, the beginning of Isaiah, there's this picture of a forest of oak trees, God's people, and they are so wicked and they have denied God for so long that the entire forest looks like the tree on the right. And God comes in with his heavenly chainsaw. That's what God's heavenly chainsaw sounds like, Gary. Just like that. Probably a little deeper than that. And he cuts them all down. And he does it using foreign nations. And there's this scene in Isaiah at the beginning where the prophet is prophesying over an entire forest of stumps. Cut down, burned out stumps. Which represents your life and my life when we choose to rebel against God and go our own way. And then one of those stumps miraculously has a little shoot come sprouting out of it. A little green shoot of life out of the burned out stump of your life and my life. And that shoot is what Isaiah is all about. That shoot is what the Bible is all about. That shoot is Jesus. It's that little branch that comes out of the stump of the root of Jesse because he comes from the the household of Jesse. And so, yes, thank you for putting that up there. It's exactly where it is. Thank you, Fernanda. It's good to have you back from Brazil. And That's what this text is about. But it's not just for Isaiah 2,700 years ago. Listen, it's for you right now. For the burned out area in your life and my life. Where there's no hope. Where I've messed up so badly, I deserve to be cut down. I'm a stump. I'm a burned out stump. But God in his mercy, man, comes. And out of that brings the life that comes in Christ. 
That's what this is about. And if you don't have faith for it, listen carefully, because here comes the faith. You ready? Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. Please turn there. I, I encourage you to go turn there. Read these words. This is God's word. It's the most important thing you're going to hear all day. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Who is speaking in this text? Remember, it starts off by saying this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. It's first person. Is it Isaiah? He wrote the book. It's not. It's not. The one speaking here is the very one that I mentioned to you in the introduction of this sermon. It is the Messiah, the anointed one. It is the shoot that came out of the burned out stump of Jesse. Look on the screen, Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. This is who's speaking. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Remember the forest of cut down, burned out, withered-leaved oak trees that God cut down. And out of one of those, out of one of those stumps, comes a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Let me tell you right now, that's Jesus Christ. From his roots shall bear fruit. Amen. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is the anointed one. We get the word Messiah from this. The anointed one. This is the Messiah. That's who's speaking here. The one who's speaking here is the suffering, resurrected servant that we preached about several weeks ago on Easter. Isaiah 53, 11. This is who's speaking Out of the anguish of his, the suffering resurrected servant's soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Jesus Christ, make many to be accounted righteous. Yes, he shall. And he shall bear their iniquities. Oh, yes, he did. That's Jesus. See, don't you see the picture here? Jesus comes and dies on the cross, taking the death that you and I deserve so that he can bring life to a bunch of burned out, cut down stumps, which is your life and mine apart from God, and out of the hopelessness of a dead life, dead to God, dead to all that is good, God brings life through Jesus, the suffering servant who rose from the dead, through Jesus who took my punishment, through Jesus who's the anointed one. That's good news. That's good news. That's really, really good, good news. And you may be asking, well, wait a second now. Nice interpretation, buddy. I mean, it sounds good, but you're kind of putting Jesus into this slot, right? Is this just like your interpretation? Are you, just like, are you just like one of those talking heads on TV that's interpreting what's going on with what you think? No. 
I'm telling you what Jesus thinks. Because Jesus quoted this passage at the beginning of his ministry, and he said, that's me, on the screen, Luke chapter 4. I think I start in verse 16. Yes. So now we're fast-forwarding. Isaiah wrote this in about 700 B.C. What you're about to read was spoken in Jesus' time around 30 A.D., some 700 years later. Jesus is going to read what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, and listen to the context of it. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he, Jesus, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, like I'm reading. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given him. So they had these long scrolls, and they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. So he purposely went to this place. God, Jesus, the root, the, 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 the branch out of the stump, the suffering servant, the anointed one. He says, I'm going to read this now, and I'm going to tell you what it means. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting now from Isaiah 61.1. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Are you captive this morning? Jesus came to set you free. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. It was a pregnant moment. It was a moment that was about to give birth to the greatest truth, to the very truth that everybody in that synagogue was waiting for. They were waiting for who's the Messiah? Who's the anointed one? Who's this one that's going to set us free and lead us out of all this exile and all this stuff? And it was just silent. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Verse 21. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the speaker. Jesus Christ is the anointed servant, the, the Messiah of Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. He's the one that transforms us into oaks of righteousness. He's the one that gives life to a forest full of dead, cut-down stumps of, of, of oak trees that have been burned over with withered leaves. He gives us hope ah, that he might display his glory on all the earth. That's the main point of this message on the screen. Jesus is the anointed one who plants us as oaks of righteousness to display his glory. Don't get it wrong now. It's not about us. It's not about saying how beautiful is that particular oak tree called Palm Vista. It's about how beautiful is the God who restored that oak tree to be beautiful. That oak tree is to reflect the beauty of the one who restored it and saved it and gave it life. Jesus is the anointed one who plants us as oaks of righteousness to display his glory. Where has Jesus planted you? If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I pray God speak to your heart and you become a Christian. You repent and believe. But Christian, where has he planted you? What family has he planted you in? Your, your spouse, your, your parents, if you're a child, your, your, your children, if you're a parent, your brothers and your sisters. What families he planted you in to be an oak of righteousness to display his glory? What, what neighborhood has he planted you in? Where do you live? What street do you live on? Is it cold in the winter in your neighborhood? I'm so sorry. It's not in mine. <laughs> That's unfair. I was just looking at someone who I think lives in Chicago, and I was kind of teasing them a little. Good to see you. <clears throat> but you need to come in February and January when it's cold in Chicago. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, 
you know you're there for a reason, right? You know there's a reason why you see that same cashier at Publix when you go there every week or wherever you go, Aldi's or, you know, Fresco or whatever. You know, when you go pump your gas, that person you stare at and they stare at you because you go at the same time every day and every week. And you're there for a reason as an oak of righteousness to display his glory. What, what job has he planted you in? Where do you work? Who's your boss? Or if you're a boss, who are your employees? Who are the people you see that come into your place of work? You're there for a reason as an oak of righteousness, however imperfect you are, to display his glory. What school are you in? Did you get accepted to the school you want to go to? He's about to plant you into a school and bring you back from that school. Good to see you too. <laughs> you're, there for, you're going to be there for a reason. And it's beyond just your glory. That will sustain you, my friend. Trust me on that one. Because your glory will fall quickly, particularly on, depending on what school you go to and how hard it is. You're a big fish, or let's see, a little fish in a big box or a little box in a big fish or how do I mess these up so badly a small fish in a big pond no a big fish in a small pond I quit I'm going home now no you know what I'm talking about right but when you go to that school that you're going to you're going to be really small but the God who planted you there is big so in your small little broken life he's going to use you in your brokenness, when you've blown it, when you've, when you've failed that class, you think it's over, when you're lonely, trust him. Okay? Isaiah is relevant to us today. So let's look at Jesus, the anointed one, point one. It's very important that we understand point one because point one is talking about God himself. Let me explain. If, if, in fact, Jesus is the speaker here, and he is, how can he say the following? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Don't, don't rush past that one, okay? Now, it's true. In the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, the spirit of God would anoint people for tasks He would anoint kings to rule. He would anoint prophets to prophesy. He would anoint people to deliver. He would anoint judges. He anointed Deborah, who was a judge in the Old Testament, to deliver the people. Gideon. He he would anoint people for different tasks. But here, if in fact we're talking about Jesus, and if Jesus is in fact God in the flesh, how can Jesus say that he's anointed with the Spirit? I thought Jesus was God. He is. Now listen carefully. You're getting theology 101 here. God is one God in three persons. And here we see a beautiful picture of how the Trinitarian God or the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons work together. Don't, don't lose me yet. This is, this is a little bit, but it's true, all right? And you need to know this is what differentiates Christianity from every other religion. One God, three persons. So what do we have here? God the Father sends God the Son to die for our sins on the cross, to raise from the dead. And God the, the, the Holy Spirit anoints God the Son for this task of preaching the good news. Really important. You understand that, that what, 
The one who is with us here right now, yes, God is with us, but it's God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is with us here right now, but God the Holy Spirit is here with us because God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son died on the cross, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and then the Father and the Son sent the Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit's the one that's giving you whatever understanding you have of what I'm saying. It's coming by God the Holy Spirit. It's important that we, that we, that we understand that. We see the Trinity at work here. Well, where do you see that in the Bible, Al? Well, let's look at Jesus' baptism. If Jesus is the speaker here, and it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, how do we, get, how do we make that connection? Well, look on the screen, Matthew 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming down to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We have God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son. I sent him. The Son went willingly. And the Father is saying to the Son, This is my beloved Son. And God the Spirit is descending on him, so he's anointed. What's he anointed to do? Back to Isaiah 61.1. He's anointed to bring good news to the poor. Let's go good news first, then we'll go poor. What is the good news that Jesus is anointed to bring? See, here's the deal. He's not only the one who brings the good news, he is the good news. So what Jesus is bringing is the preaching of himself, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven. Jesus is bringing the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. He's bringing himself to the poor. Who are the poor? The poor are us. The poor are that oak tree that was on the right-hand side that was burned out with withered leaves. The, the poor are those who are poor or needy for many reasons. It can be physically. But most acutely, it's because of their sin. See, the, the poor are those whose lives are so broken. They, they've been so broken by life that they have no more heart to try. They're depressed. Are you poor this morning? There are those that are so bound up by various addictions that that, that the idea of liberty or being released from this is a cruel mirage. They're not trying anymore. The poor are those who think that their lives hold nothing more than ashes and sackcloth and fainting and heaviness and despair. These are those to whom the Messiah, the servant, says, good news. See, Jesus said, I didn't come to preach to the well. I came to preach to the sick. That's why if you refuse to acknowledge that you're sick, you'll never hear the preaching. If you refuse to repent, You'll never hear the gospel message. That's why Jesus said, repent and believe the kingdom of God has come. That's why pride is such a big barrier here. Repent and believe Jesus Christ, the anointed one, comes and preaches good news to us. And he makes us into his oaks of righteousness. Point two, all right? Here is the main point of this entire message. How does Jesus transform us from that oak on the left-hand side uh, of the picture 
that, that was all dried out with withered leaves to the oak on the right-hand side or whichever way <laughs> that was green and full of life. Well, he does it here in this text, beginning at the end of verse 1 all the way through verse 3 by accomplishing the following for us. So here, pick it up. I think I've got a, um, a screen with all of these listed for you. If I do, go ahead and display that. Look at the end of verse 1. He anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Semicolon, that semicolon is important. So the anointing is to bring the good news. Now he's going to use the word sent. He has sent me. Words are important. Grammar is important. Focus on this. Look at these words. This helps you understand this text. Anointed me to preach the good news. Semicolon. He sent me. And now he's going to list several things that he's sent to do. And this is how we become oaks of righteousness. Number one, to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This word bind is a medical word. And really what it means is to bandage together a wound that is oozing with pus. Or, or a, a bone that is broken. Actually, think of a bone that is broken protruding through the skin so that the wound is oozing with pus and the bone is protruding through the skin. I know it's gross. But it describes your life and mine. When we say no to God, when we seek our own glory, how many times have we gone down those destructive paths of trying to be great and seeking glory, going to get rich and famous and going to get the love we finally wanted in our life and we're on the side of the road with protruding bones from our legs, metaphorically speaking, oozing pus. We're broken by life. By our sin. We are broken. And the way Jesus makes us oaks of righteousness as he comes to your broken life, whatever it might be, and he bandages it. He pours whatever it is you pour on there to get rid of the infection. He he sets the bone. He he wraps it. He binds up the broken heart. Are you brokenhearted this morning? Jesus is here to bind that up. That's why he died on the cross for you. That's how he makes us oaks of righteousness. Next, proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Do you see that there? At the end of verse 1, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus' announcement of liberty comes with the good news that because he's the king of king, because he is ruler over all, he is the strongest ruler ever has been, ever will be. He's stronger than the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He's stronger than Caesar, who would have been during the time of Jesus. He's stronger than whatever ruler you can think of today. He is stronger than sin. He is stronger than Satan. He is stronger than death. He defeated them all on the cross he can say to you and me i set you free my son my daughter i open the gate of the prison that no one can open but me and he does and he he also at the beginning now of chapter verse two he proclaims the year of the lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our god now these two go together by the way jesus stopped his quote at the year of the the, of the Lord's favor. He didn't, he didn't read all the way through, but I believe they go together here. Stay with me here. If you are oppressed, the year of the Lord's favor is the year you can get out from underneath your oppression. But if you are oppressed, that year of God's favor is even sweeter when God's vengeance, the day of God's vengeance comes and he judges the one who oppressed you. Are you with me? So he comes and sets you free, and then he grabs your oppressor 
day of his vengeance, and he judges him. God set us free from Satan, sin, and death on the cross, and he judges them. One day they will all be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's the reason he can set us free. That's the reason we trust him. That's what turns us from the broken, withered, burned out oak trees into beautiful oaks of righteousness with life. And then at the, at the end here, beginning in verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion. What he's saying is here is I'm going to make you these oaks of righteousness and he's going to give us three things that we don't deserve. He's going to give us the wonderful things we don't deserve because he took the horrible things that we do deserve on the cross. Look at the the word here in verse 3, the word instead of. Do you see it? To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That's an important word, instead of. Circle that word. It's a contrast meant to really draw your attention. So what we deserve are ashes. Ashes are what people put on their head when they're mourning their sin. Ashes are what people have around them who, who experience destruction because of their, it's their fault. When their city is destroyed, it's ashes. When their homes are burnt, it's ashes. That's what we deserve. But instead of ashes, God gives us a headdress, a beautiful headdress. All that means is he adorns us with his beauty. That's that, that beautiful headdress, just think of it this way. It's what we don't deserve. We don't deserve a beautiful headdress. We deserve ashes. But because of what Christ did, we get the beautiful headdress. He gives us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. We should be mourning. But because Jesus takes our sin, we now have the oil of gladness. This is why we sing. This is why we shout. This is why we hear people clapping during worship. We were animated about it because we're happy. We should be sad, but we're happy because Jesus took our sadness and gave us happiness in him. He did what we could never do for ourselves. And finally, at the end of verse 3, he gives us the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Do you want to give up this morning? Because you're in a place, because of your sin, where you're burned out and withered. Oh, Jesus is here to turn that and to make you an oak of righteousness. Not only to make you righteous, but then give you the, the ability to live out that righteousness to his glory. And suddenly, you have this garment of praise instead of fainting. You get up and you put on your best clothes and you go out and party because of what God has done for you rather than laying your bed depressed and unable to move. I love the way uh, Oswald, what he says in his commentary on this. I believe I have the... Quote there, the picture of the mourner, yes. The picture of the mourner, someone who's mourning their sin, with ashes on the head, wrapped in sackcloth, with a spirit crushed by despair. You got it? Ashes on your head, wrapped in sackcloth, and a spirit crushed by despair, is replaced by the picture of a party goer. Now, we can all relate to that in South Florida, right? I mean, if there's one thing we know how to do in South Florida is party. We can party, Jack, all right? We can party. We have the gift of partying here. <clears throat> is replaced by the picture of a party goer with a beautiful headdress. Just think of nice, nice headdress, whatever, a nice hat. I don't know, whatever you want to think. Smelling of costly oil, all right? Whatever you're going to, the best smelling thing you can put on your body and wearing a garment of praise. God plants us 
as these oaks of righteousness. See, the idea here, church, is one of permanence. It's one of stability. If the wind comes to that burned out oak tree, what happens? It tips right over. It tips right over. The roots are gone. They're withered. It's withered. It's dried. You can make, a kid can maybe come and push on it and it falls over. But when you have a vibrant oak tree with the roots down into the ground and it's green, and there's lots of leaves and they provide shade and fruit, whatever oak trees provide, <laughs> it's permanent. You can't knock an oak tree down. A big old oak tree is so strong and permanent because God has changed us. What a contrast between that oak tree and the burned out tree that we read about and saw the picture of. The burned out one is the result of our pride and our sin and our rebellion and glorifying ourselves over God. The oaks of righteousness is the result of our humility and bowing to God and repenting and believing and trusting God. And he gives us the grace. He gives us the righteousness we don't deserve. And then he gives us the power to live that righteousness out. So we stop doing the stupid things that we were doing that resulted in getting burned out. And we're able to live for him. And our lives are filled with joy and shouting and laughter and party going and suffering and brokenness in this world. But there's an internal joy that's amazing. Why? Last point. Much shorter point than the first two. So that we might display God's glory. That's, that's the reason God does it. As we live in the righteousness provided us by our servant. By, by the Messiah. By the anointed one. We demonstrate his beauty and his glory. We are mirrors reflecting God's glory. God beautifies my life. Not just so people would say, how beautiful are you, Al? No. God beautifies my life so that they say, how beautiful is the God who beautifies you? I'd like to get to know him. He draws the nations to himself. This is a continuation of last week's message. When his beauty is reflected in us, we become beautiful. We reflect his beauty that the world might come to bring him the glory that is his alone. So what's the appeal here? What is God saying to his people here? Jesus anoints us to proclaim his good news. Jesus proclaimed the good news and he anoints us to proclaim the good news. To the poor, to the afflicted, God's appeal to us this morning is to make that proclamation each and every day of our lives. Jesus sends us out to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of God's vengeance. To comfort those who mourn. Church, let us have faith. Let us trust in his anointing by his spirit to make make us oaks of righteousness. His planting that he might be glorified. Where has God planted you? What family has he planted you in? What community do you live in? Where, what neighborhood is all around you? What schools do you attend? Where do you work? What career has God given you? What are the nations around you? Ask God for the courage to proclaim the good news of Christ for his glory. And live out the righteousness that is yours in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. And then after we pray in a moment, we'll stand and we'll sing. Bow your heads with me in prayer, please. Father, I pray for your grace this morning. I pray that you would give us mercy. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be absolutely enthralled with you. 
Lord, that we would, we would take a look at our lives and we would see oak trees that have life. Oh, yeah, they still have areas of blight. There are still some branches with some withered leaves. We need to change in so many areas. But the root of our oak tree has been changed. We've been replanted. That shoot out of the burned out stump of Jesse, that branch that bears fruit, Jesus died and rose again to give us new life. He died to replant us as oaks of righteousness, not only to have your righteousness forensically or have your righteousness ascribed to us legally, but then to live out your righteousness every day in our marriages, in our, in our families, at school, at work, that, that we would be these oaks of righteousness displaying your glory to the nations that that family members and friends and neighbors co-workers classmates Lord your elect from all the nations would be drawn to your light and say I want to know this God who alone can bring life from my dead tree give me hope bind up my wounds Lord I pray if there are many here this morning that are wounded their hearts are broken metaphorically speaking, they have wounds that are gaping and oozing, bones that are broken. Lord, would you bind them up in Christ? Souls that are fractured, marriages, relationships. Lord, have mercy. Lord, our hope is in you. And at the end of the day, Lord, this is what we're going to sing. You are great. We're not great. You're great. Lord, you have beautified us, but it's that we we might display your beauty. Oh God, let us, let, let that bring hope to us when we don't feel so beautiful. Let us see by faith who we are in you and who, who we are becoming in you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.